Leaky Bucket of Profits, Episode 12, Know the Hidden Gems in Your Financial Statements. Hi, this is Tony Malik. I'm your host and the author of the book, Leaky Bucket of Profits. And this whole series is to talk about and cover the material that's in my book, Leaky Bucket of Profits, so that you can get a lot of information from the book without even having to buy the book if you don't want to. And what we're going to be talking about today are understanding some of those hidden gems that are in your financial statements that if you understood them, you could make more informed decisions, know how you're really doing, and actually run a more profitable business. I just want to share a little bit of a story with you. I was meeting with a business owner uh, uh, some years ago, and we, we decided that we were going to review his financial statements from his accountant. And he went, he reached over, opened his drawer, pulled out the file with the financial statements, and, and proceeded to remove the staples and the little seal that quite often you get from, that's on that holds those uh, the set of financial statements together. And he removed that little paper seal and took the took the staples out, and he went to remove the first few pages and and said in frustration, I don't know why my accountant keeps giving me these. And he took those uh, pages and put it off to the side. And what those pages were, were his balance sheet. And then as we started to look at his profit and loss statement, he also said that, you know, I understand the top number of my revenue. I understand the bottom number, you know, the bottom line, which is how much money I made. But I don't really know what I'm looking at in between. And this might sound familiar to you because I find it's very common from uh, amongst really the vast majority of business owners who never really were trained or shown how to properly read their financial statements. Because I can tell you when you know what you're looking for, there are some hidden ge- hidden gems in there that will give you some of the information that you need to know where you need, where you need to focus on your business to, to increase profit. So what we're going to do today is we're going to cover that. Now, the whole idea here is not to make you an accountant or or take an accounting program, but to give you sort of that management level knowledge of your financial statements so you can make those decisions. So what we're going to do is we're going to cover those, the first, the, the main parts of your financial statements. I already talked about the balance sheet. We're going to get to that in a minute, but everyone always wants to know how to read their profit and loss statement. So let's talk about the profit and loss statement. And you can find, if you have my book in front of you on page 129 in chapter 12, Figure 12.1 is an example of a, of a financial statement. If you don't have a copy of the book, first of all, uh, feel f- you can get it downloaded. It's in, in uh, ebook format for about the cost of, uh, a, of a glass of wine or a pint of beer. Or, or you can actually just uh, uh, use your own financial statements and follow along because what you're going to find is it doesn't matter what business you're in, what industry you're in. The format of a financial statement is is really the same in virtually every business. We're going to cover sort of the anatomy of your financial statements so you understand basically what those numbers mean. And then we're going to get into some calculations you could do, simple calculations you can do that really shows you what the hidden gems and information are in those statements. There are five main sections on your profit and loss statement. The first one is the top line, which is general revenue. And it may show up as sales, revenue, uh, different accountants and different industries might use uh, different words. But, you know, it's really just saying, okay, what was what were your sales for that period of time? And one thing I will mention that a profit and loss statement does, 
you'll notice that on the top, there's usually going to be the range of time that it's based on. So my example might be is it'll say from January 1st from a certain year to December 31st, say, of that same year. Or it might be for a particular month. So it may be for, you know, uh, April 1st of this year to April 30th of this year. So it could be a, a monthly statement, a quarterly statement, an annual statement. So the range of time that it's telling you how you did is usually going to be stated at the top of that profit and loss statement. So during that period, that first that first section is going to tell you what the revenue is. After the next section is what you're is going to show you cost of goods sold. Now that was covered in detail in my episode eight. So I, I if you haven't seen my episode eight or listened to episode eight where I get into about how to increase uh, uh, gross profits, is Go back and review it. It's it's uh, got a lot of extra information in it for you that'll really help you understand it because cost of goods sold is where, that's where I find a lot of the profit is often made or lost in, in most businesses. But here's a real quick review of it. Cost of goods sold is what sometimes is referred to as those direct expenses that you only would usually incur when you're serving your customer, making your product or selling your product. So, in, in the manufacturing industry, it would be, you know, your production labor, your materials. In in distribution or retail, it would be, you know, what did you pay for that product? Uh, perhaps your freight in, you know, your transportation costs to bring it in. That would be a cost of goods sold. In the trades business, it would be your technic- technical labor. So your technicians, your tradespeople, that would be a cost of goods sold. You know, the, the supplies they used, the, the materials that were used uh, on the job. Those would all be cost of goods sold. So those are sometimes referred to also as direct expenses. And sometimes you'll see that used, that word used on financial statement. So you have your sales, you have your cost of goods sold. And, and when you subtract your cost of goods sold from your sales, the third component is your gross profit. And the gross profit uh, is what you have left over to pay your overheads with. So all you do is you subtract your cost of goods sold from sales and you got your gross profit. That's the third section. The fourth section is your, what they call, sometimes you'll see it called as an indirect expense or overhead or general and administrative expenses. They're, it's all the same thing, just different terminology used based on your accountant and sometimes your industry. So you'll probably find one of those three words on, on your own financial statements under the, your, over, your direct expenses. And these are the expenses that your business would have incurred whether or not you produced a product that day or you served a customer. And these will include your overhead type stuff like office salaries, rent, insurance. You know, these these are items that would would have had to have been paid. You know, you still got to pay your rent whether you made a product or not that day. So that's what they call the overhead. So that's the fourth fourth section of your profit and loss statement. Of course, the fifth section is the most fun part that business owners like to always look at as soon as they can, and that's your net profit. It's sometimes called net income, net profit, uh, but that's really showing you for that period of time how much money did you make. So let's move on to the balance sheet now, and if you're following along with the book, it's on page 132, figure 12.2. Remember the stories I told about the business owner who took the balance sheet, put it aside, it didn't know, didn't know what it meant. There's a reason why your accountant usually almost always has your balance sheet on top or in front of your profit and loss statement. Believe it or not, your balance sheet is almost more important or at least tells a more true story of how your business is really doing. It tells more of a true story than your profit and loss statement. 
The profit and loss statement only tells the story of how your business did during a specific period of time. The balance sheet gives a snapshot picture based on a, based on a certain day on you know all those trials, the good years, the bad years, the good year, the bad quarters, the good quarters. It kind of shows what the financial state of the business is on that day. So quite often you're going to see on top of your balance sheet, you're going to see something that says balance sheet as of December 31st of that, you know, of that particular year. Or if it's a monthly balance sheet, it'll say as of April 30th of that year. So it won't say for a period of the time. It'll just say based on that day, based on the whole history, because it really, the balance sheet shows an accumulation really of the whole history of how the business is done. And it'll show what is the financial health of your business on that day. If you've ever had a chance to go through, get to uh, go to a banker to get some kind of a business loan or financing, they'll always ask for your, your financials. And one of the things you'll probably notice is when they look at your financials, they actually do look at your balance sheet first. And quite often, with with by doing a couple quick calculations, they know within seconds or within a minute or two whether your business is healthy enough to take on more debt, you know, to take on debt or to take on some kind of financing. So. They'll look at that first and then they'll get, you know, then they'll look for some more information, perhaps from your profit and loss statement. But the balance sheet has that key information that really says is that really shows the financial health of your business. So when you look at your balance sheet now, whether you're looking at the one in, in, in the book or you're looking at your own balance sheet of your own company, you'll notice that there are th- really three major sections of your balance sheet. The first is going to be your assets, which is usually going to be shown first. The next is your liabilities, and then your equity. It could be shareholders' equity, owners' equity, but it'll probably say something about equity. And those are the three major sections, but they're also divided into subsections that are important to understand the difference. So under your asset section, you'll usually notice a couple types of assets listed, and they'll have their own headline with different things listed underneath. You'll have something called current assets and then fixed assets. And the difference is current assets are those things, are those items in, that are in your business that that are either cash or can be turned into cash very quickly. So so it's sort of the, the working capital. It's the things that, that it's the things that change almost on a daily basis, right? Your bank account changes daily, uh, accounts receivable changes daily, your inventory will change daily as you're buying new product and selling product, that type of thing. So Current assets are always changing and removing, but it really comes down to the number one part of a current asset is your cash. Cash on hand, cash in the bank. And then you've got accounts receivable, which is a current asset because once the money comes in, it's going to turn into cash. And it's always assumed that your accounts receivable is going to become cash, hopefully within about 30 days or less. And then you also have inventory. So again, inventory can still also be turned into cash, maybe not on a moment's notice, maybe not in the next, always the next couple of weeks, but it's something that can be liquidated that can turn into cash. So those are current assets. Those are assets that are, that are turning over on a daily basis. Sometimes it's also called working capital. Occasionally, you'll also have uh, prepaid expenses and all that is, is these are expenses and, and you may not, it may or may not show that on your, on your financial statements, but these are expenses that you may have paid for a year in advance, but you haven't used it yet. So for instance, insurance, when you pay for a whole year worth of insurance up front, that's a prepaid expense because you're kind of using insurance on a daily basis or on a monthly basis. So your accountant's going to do what's called amortizing it, 
which means they're going to take, say, a, a $12,000 annual insurance cost, and they're going to say, well, you know what, this is actually meant for 12 months, so I'm going to divide this $12,000 cost and, and, and charge it to each month separately, so it'll be $1,000 a month. That's what they call amortizing expense. But until that cost, that prepaid expense has been amortized for that month, and you've actually used up that month, it's a prepaid expense, so it's, called, it's considered an asset. The next section of assets is your fixed asset. Now, these these are these are, you know, sometimes called capital assets, but you know, fixed asset is usually a pretty common name for it. And these are things that are not usually going to be they're not going to change on a daily basis as a rule. So, for instance, you know, your land, your buildings, if you happen to own the land and building your business is on, you know, machinery and equipment that you know that you've bought, fixtures, uh, fixtures, you know, uh, furniture and fixtures that you would have bought. Uh, vehicles that your company owns, office equipment that your company owns. So those are fixed assets because those don't turn over on a daily or monthly basis. It doesn't matter where your sales are at. These items are always going to have to be there. So where a current asset is always changing, interchanging between cash and receivables, inventory on a daily basis, your fixed assets are those capital items that are sort of, you know, that, that are going to be there for the long term and they're not going to change very often. So those are your fixed assets. Those are the things you have to invest money in for the long term uh, so that you can run your business. So now we move on to liabilities. And just like assets, you've got a couple of different kinds of liabilities. You've got something called current liabilities and long-term liabilities. Current liabilities are usually those that the money that you owe that is going to be owed usually within the next year, that you have to pay in the next year. And those include things like your accounts payable, so your suppliers, uh, your rent. You know, you got you those vendors that you have to pay on that monthly basis. So th those are the items that, you, that within that accounting period or within that, that, that accounting year that you're going to have to pay those bills. So that's what's called the current current liability because you owe it in, in the short term. You owe it, you know, you currently owe it. You need to pay it pretty soon. The other type of liabilities are called long-term liabilities, and these are usually have to do with long-term financing. So, you know the amount of money, so if you've had a hundred thousand dollar loan paid over ten years, and you have to pay down say ten thousand a year, you know the ten thousand you owe in that year would be could be considered a current asset because you, you or a current liability because you need to pay that you know within that year. But the other ninety thousand you owe is is owed in future accounting periods. Or financial periods, so they, that's why they call them long-term liabilities. These are these are mortgages or loans you've taken on on capital equipment that you're going to pay over over many several or many years. So the money that you're going to own the long term, you know, in future years is called a long-term liability. So listed separately because you you may not have to necessarily worry about paying you know that loan in five years, but you do have to worry about paying. Pay, you know, paying your payments in five years, but you do do you need, do need to be concerned about what you owe in the next year because that's the most immediate thing in front of you. So that's why you have a current ass or a current liability and a, a long-term liability. The third major section is your equity. Now, this if you're incorporated, it'll be your shareholders' equity or owners' equity. It'll it'll usually say something to do with equity, and what that is when you take your assets and you subtract. So that's all the stuff your business owns. And you subtract all the money or all the things that you're, you know, all the money that your business owes, you're going to get a number that's going to be uh, equity. And this is very similar to your to your own personal finances. You know, you have personal assets. You have a house. You have a car. 
uh, you have furniture, you might have investments. Those are all assets. But then you might owe money, you might have credit cards, you might have mortgages, you might have car loans. So when you take all your personal assets and, and subtract all those liabilities of money you owe, that's going to give you your own equity or net worth. Sometimes they call that net worth. Uh, but your own, you know, your own equity personally. The business is the same thing. So it, it owns a whole bunch of stuff. It owes some money. And then what's left over is the equity. And that's really what you own as the owner of that business, as a, either a shareholder or, or a partner or sole proprietorship. That equity is what you own in the business. So something I just want to mention in the equity section, and this is particularly relevant if you're incorporated, you'll notice something. There's, there's stock equity, and then there's retained earnings. So the stock is usually going to be quite often, it may show just as a dollar a share or a very small amount, and that, that's the, the, fate, the par of what they call par value quite often of, of the stock. Or it depends on the situation if uh, in, in public corporations, as an example, you know, the, the, the stock value would be uh, the price of shares on the market marketplace or book value. So it's, it's you've got stock share, but then, or stock, or stock equity. The other part is retained earnings. And you'll see this quite often. What retained earnings is, it's a, it's an accumulation from the time that you started your business and were making, hopefully making profits. You might have profit, loss years and profit years, but your retained earnings are those accumulated profits over all those years that are still in your business that you haven't taken out yet. So if you have uh, $50,000 of retained earnings, that means you still have $50,000 of retained or, or, or of accumulated profit in your business that you haven't removed yet. So if you had $50,000 of retained earnings and you decided to take $10,000 out in profits, say in the form of dividends, you would actually be reducing your retained earnings in that business because those are profits now that you, that $10,000 is profits now that you have removed from your business. So that's a part number to remember. You've got your stock equity, but you've got your retained earnings, which are really accumulated profits that you have not removed yet from the business. So now let's get into those hidden gems that are in your financial statements. And there's really nine calculations you need to do to uncover those hidden gems are. So the first one is knowing your gross margin. And gross margin is pretty simple. We talked earlier about you had sales, you had minus your cost of goods sold was your gross profit. And the gross profit is the dollar amount of profit. But what's important is the relationship with what percentage of your gross profit represents the actual sale. So a good example is if you sell something for $100 and it cost you 70, your cost of goods sold was $70, you would have a $30 gross profit. But what's the percentage of that gross profit compared to the $100 sale? So if you have a $30 gross profit and it's a $100 sale, you have a 30% gross margin. So gross margin is presented at, is always uh, presented as a percentage. So the way you would calculate that, the official formula is look at your profit and loss statement, write down or use your calculator and input your gross profit, divide that by the sales, their top line revenue, and that's going to give you a decimal number. So to turn that, so it might be 0 0.3, 0 0.35, 0 0.4, whatever it is, times that by 100 to get you your percentage, and now you've got your gross margin. And the reason why it's important to understand that because the relationship between your gross profit, your gross margin tells that relationship between your gross profit and your sales 
can really be an eye opener to how your business is doing. Because if, if your industry, if you do some research and you find out the average business in your industry has got a, a 45% gross margin, but you're only running a 35% gross margin, there's something missing in, in, in your cost of your goods. You may have a, produ- a productivity issue. You may be paying too much for labor. Maybe you've got to have too much labor. So it starts to point in a direction. If your gross margin is lower than your industry average, you might have an issue with you know w- within your cost of goods sold. So that's why that's an important number to know. The second key number to know is what is the percentage of your fixed cost to sales. Remember, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, remember that overhead, those uh, indirect costs, you know, those fixed costs. It's important to know what that, you know, how much of, how much of your revenue is tied up by your fixed costs and knowing that percentage. So another very quick thing to do is all you need to do is look at your financial statement, your profit and loss statement, and take your, Fixed cost or general administration of cost number, divide that by your sales and, you know, divide that by your sales. That gives you a a decimal number. It might be 0.1, 0.15, 0.2, whatever it is. Times that by 100 to give you your percentage. Percentage of your sales is being tied up by overhead. And this is a number that over a period of time should stay fairly consistent. So if you found it's always been 10 or 12%, it should always be in that range. But if you find that over time, if say if your sales were going up, but your percentage of overhead to sales was also, the percentage was going up from say 10 to 12 to 15%. It shows that your overhead is growing quicker than your sales, which means you're probably losing out on profits. And something else to keep in also mind is if you're able to keep your overhead down and you can show that you're lowering your overhead, your, your percentage, your, you know, your, your percentage of overhead to sales, it shows that maybe you're you're keeping your business you know nice and lean and efficient, so you don't have a lot of you know extra extra bureaucracy in your business either. So it's good to watch for those changes over time. If those percentages are changing, especially to the worst, it may mean you're adding too much overhead too quickly, which is going to affect not only your profit but your cash flow. The third key number to know is your net profit margin. And just like we have a gross margin, you also have your net margin. So it's very simply put is what percentage of your sales or revenue is actually net profit? You know, how much money did you make? So what was that percentage? And it might be, you know, 8%, 10%, 15%. It depends on your industry. A lot of businesses seem to be in that 8 to 12% range, but that can be lower or higher based on your industry as well. So very quick calculation. Just you look at your financial statement and you say, okay, I'll, I'll, you take your, your net profit that's shown on your profit and loss statement divided by your sales. And that, again, that'll give you a decimal number, 0. 0.08, 0. 0.1, 0. 0.15, whatever it is, times that by 100 to get you your percentage. And that'll give you your net profit margin. And it's all it's important to understand this, especially when you're comparing it to previous periods. For instance, if you're comparing it on a month-to-month basis, if you find your net margin, your net profit margin is going, the percentage is going down, it means that something's happening to your expenses. It means that it's going to be affected because your net profit will go up if your sales go up. It should go up dollar-wise. But if the net profit margin isn't go, isn't at least staying the same and is going down, there's something going wrong in the business. Either your cost of goods sold is too high, which will probably be shown in your gross margin, or it'll also be shown in that fixed cost to sales margin. So there's going to be some answers in there. So if you find you're you're not making as much money, you're 
percentage-wise, based on the number of sales you're getting, it allows you, it gives you that direction to go back into your overhead, go back to your cost of goods and see where some of those expenses may be changing on you. The next number to know is every business should understand what their break-even point is. And that is, what sales do you need to achieve to be sure that your basic bills are paid, that, you know, that you're not going backwards? You may not be making money yet, but to at least be sure all your expenses are paid, what, what sales do you need? And the way to calculate that is again from your profit and loss statement is you want to take what your fixed costs were and divide that by your your gross margin so if your gross margin for instance is 0.3 is 35% which is 0.35 and your sales are $100 you take 100 and divide that by 0.35 so once you do that calculation you'll find out that you'll come up with a number of 285 and, and some change. What that represents is, is means that you need to generate, two, based on the fact that your margin was, was your margin, gross margin is 0.35, to pay your overhead of $100, you need to generate $285 in sales just to have enough gross profit left over so that you can pay your overhead and break even. So that's why it's an important number because you always need to understand that as your, the absolute minimum sales that you need to generate to be sure all your bills are going to be paid. And if you're finding you're struggling with that, then that's a sign that you also need to look at your overhead. And, and there's two things you can do here. You can lo look at how can you lower your overhead so that you can lower your break-even point, but you can also lower the amount of sales you need by increasing your gross margin. So if you're able to increase your gross margins from 0.35 or 35% to 40% or 0.40, now instead of needing $285 in sales, if you take your fixed cost of $100, divide that by 0.4, you are now only going to need $250 of sales to generate enough gross profit to pay your $100 overhead. So you've just gone from the $284 in sales and you've reduced the amount of sales you need to $250, which makes it easier to do and takes some pressure off your business. So that's why knowing your break-even point is really important because you need to know the minimum amount you got to sell to ensure that all your costs are covered. So here, here's a calculation that you would take from your balance sheet. And this gives you some really important information and really tells you uh, the financial health of your company. There's one something called the current ratio. And what this is, this is the relationship between your current assets. Remember, that's that working capital, right? That's the cash, your receivables, your inventory. That could be turned into cash pretty quickly if it isn't already cash. And that tells you how much money you got to left to pay your bills. And then you, you're dividing that by your current liabilities. So remember, those current liabilities are those bills you need to have paid, say, in the next 30 days, as an example. So it's going to say, okay, what are your current assets on cash, receivables, inventory? Divided by your current liabilities this is going to give you a number. And that's called the current ratio. An example in the book is... If we have a $623,000 in current assets and the current liabilities are $158,000, it's going to show a ratio of 3.9. That means you have 3.9 more assets available to you than, you than the bills you have to pay, which in a lot of cases would be considered a healthy situation. Banks quite often like to know that you have somewhere, and this can change, but it gives you a general idea. A lot of banks like to know that you that your ratio is somewhere between at least 1.5 and 2. So that means that for every dollar that you owe 
that you have at least a dollar fifty to two dollars in assets to be able to pay those bills. So when your ratio is less than one, that means you don't even have enough current assets at your disposal to pay the bills you need to either owe now or going to become owed in the very near future. So that's a really rough situation to be in. So knowing your current ratio is really important because it'll it'll tell you from a cash flow perspective, can you pay your bills on time? Another important number to understand is your debt to equity ratio. And what this is, and this comes from your balance sheet, and it's understanding based on the equity you have in your business. How does that compare to the amount of money the business owes? Because they call that leveraging. And there's a point where it starts to become unhealthy where, for instance, if you have $100,000 in equity in your business, and but your business owes a half a million dollars, it means that the business may be really leveraged. And banks will get nervous about that because there isn't even enough equity in the business to pay the debt in case uh, you know your sales stopped. So it, it gives an indication if things weren't going well, what stability of this business to, to continue to carry the debt in case it lost its sales. The way to calculate it is pretty simple. All you do is you take your total liabilities and divide it by your total equity that's shown on your balance sheet. And that'll give you a number, a decimal number. So if, if it's less than 1.0, it means that you actually have more equity than you owe and your business is probably in pretty, it probably is in pretty good shape because you know when you owe, when you own more than you owe, you're probably in pretty good shape. If the number is higher than one, meaning that you have more debt than equity in the business, it doesn't have to mean it's always bad. There's a point where it crosses the line where it becomes unhealthy and will make a bank nervous. But there's there's some healthy ratios out there that can that can really change by industry that where a bank will become uncomfortable. And it's it's not not a lot different than your house. You may have owned a home that's worth a million dollars, and maybe you have two hundred thousand dollars in equity on it and an eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Well, your you know your debt to equity is four times, right? You got uh, $800,000 equity with two or $800,000 of liability with $200,000 equity. That's four times. That in a lot of cases, uh, banks would be comfortable with that because at least it's secured by, you know, their, their loan is secured by the property. But when it comes to businesses, a lot of times there aren't enough assets even in the business to cover the debt. So th- these, and so th- these are things that a bank is going to look at uh, and, or any other, an accountant will also look at to, to kind of get a feel for, you know, what's the ability of the business to carry that debt? So it's a good it's a good number to know. A couple others numbers that are good to know that actually come from uh, using both your profit and loss statement and your balance sheet is something called return on equity. Now, we all know now that, you know, your equity is shown on your balance sheet, but then you also have profit, which comes from your profit and loss statement. And a good number to know is, you know, based on the amount of of equity you have invested in your business, how does that compare to the profit that you made? So a good example might be if you had a million dollars of equity in your business and your business was generating $100,000 in profit, you would be getting you know a 10% return on your equity. And you need to make a decision, is that good or not? Compared to some other investments, if you were to, let's say, uh, take that equity out of the business and put it into the stock market or to real estate, what would the returns on that equity be if you used took that money put into other investment vehicles? So keeping in mind your business to some degree is an investment vehicle. So that's a decision to, you need to understand is, is it's one thing to say, hey, I made $100,000 in my business, but if you had, say, $2 million dollars, invested in it is 5% really something is that a good return on your you know on, on your equity 
considering uh, the amount of risk you're taking. So there's always a relationship between the amount of money you make and how much money you have invested. So it's good to know what your return on equity is. A very important number to know, especially when it comes to cash flows, understanding your accounts receivable turns or turnover. The reason why that's important, it gives you an indication as to how quickly is your money coming in so that you have that immediate you know, liquidity or ability to pay your bills today. So there's a, couple, there's a bit of a pre-calculation you need to know. First of all, you need to know, what, okay, what are your average turns? So for the period of time, let's say you're going for, uh, for, for the last month, you want to take what, what was your accounts receivable ba- or balance at the beginning of the month, what was the accounts receivable balance at the end of the month, and add those two together and divide it by two to get your average accounts receivable. So that's the first step you need to do. Now to get your turns, what you have to do is the sales that you, the percentage of sales that you had that were based on credit. So if you have net 30 terms or you offer, you're in a business that you have, you know, you're offering credit or terms to your customers, what are the sales that come from those terms and divided by your average accounts receivable? That's going to give you your inventory turns. Now, if you're in the retail business and, and it's all cash and you get your money that same day all the time, you don't probably don't need to use this calculation. But if you're in any kind of a business where you're always giving some level of credit or time payment uh, to your customers, this is an important calculation to know. Because once you get your inventory turns, when you, once you know that number, for instance, if, if your turns is, is 12 or more, that means your, your money is coming in it means 100% of your sales is coming in every month with, within that, within that uh, accounting period or with that payment period. So, for instance, on a monthly basis, if you have a 12-time turn, it means that really 100% of your sales are coming in within 30 days, which means that you probably have a good ability to pay your, your bills if you're on net 30 with your suppliers. But what if your turns come in at 6? That means... Your receivables are only turning over six times a year, or in this case, every second month, or every you know, it's two months, right? So you need to be be aware of that because if you have bills to pay every single month, but your money isn't coming in on an average for two months, that means you need to have some a level of ability to cover yourself for that extra month until all the money comes in. Quite often, what I find is when that number is high, it's not because it's supposed to be that high. It's not supposed to be six. It is supposed to be twelve. So that's an indication to get you focused on why isn't the money coming in fast enough. And quite often it comes down to some of the things I talked about in my Cash is King episode where you need to have strategies to be sure that your customers are paying on time. So that gives you this calculation gives you a good indication as to whether you're getting the money in fast enough or not. One last calculation to do is to understand your inventory turns. Now, if you're in a business where you really don't have any inventory, you're strictly in a service business and there's no servers or supplies or, you know, cost of goods involved as far as hard product, you may not have to do this calculation. But if you're in the manufacturing, the wholesale, retail business, this is a calculation you likely need to do. And even if you're in in the trades business and you do carry any level of inventory, you need to know this number. Turning over your inventory so it doesn't tie up cash is, is very important and understanding how you're performing with that is also important so that you know whether you need to take action or not. So very simple calculation to do is to understand your inventory turns, is to go back to your profit and loss statement and what was your cost of goods sold and divide that by your ending inventory from your balance sheet. 
And that's going to give you a ratio number. And kind of like with the accounts receivable, where if you have, say, 12 turns a year, that means your inventory is turning over on average, maybe not every single item, but on average, you know, when you bring in product, on the average, you're selling all your product within 30 days. And that's what a lot of businesses like to do is within that sort of payment period, know that they've sold all that inventory. But it doesn't always work that way. So again, you you may find your ratio is also six, which means that at any given time, you're carrying two months worth of inventory that you probably have already had to have paid for. So now you need to understand from a cash flow perspective, you need to, you're, you're carrying two months worth of inventory and you, you got to pay for it, but you've only are selling one month of inventory at a time. So you've got this gap between what you're selling and what you've had to have paid for. And again, in certain industries, having six turns a year is, is acceptable within that industry. So it depends on your industry. Ideally, every industry would like to be at at least 12 times a year so that, you know, every, so that it's all being sold before they even had to have paid for it. But quite often, a lot of industries will work on 10 or 12 or sorry, eight, six, eight, maybe 10 times turns. So from a cash flow perspective, you have to understand is how much cash you need available or finance you need available so that you can cover those costs or pay for that product before it's actually even been sold. Quite often I find in industries when I do financial reviews, it's one of the things I look at is I look at those inventory turns and if the inventory turns are very low, quite often that's an indication as to why there's a cash flow crunch because we've got all this money tied up of in inventory sitting on the shelf that can't be used to pay bills with. So that's why that's a really important number to know. So that's a lot of numbers. I've given you a lot of calculations. If you happen to have a copy of my book, this is all summarized in sort of a, a worksheet that you can create that's on page 143 and 144 where it's very simply laid out. You just follow the steps and you'll know all these numbers. The important thing to understand is you need to know these numbers and if you, if you and have your bookkeeper do them for you if need be and present them to you with a monthly report because understanding what these numbers mean and how you can use them to make decisions to run your business more profitably is, is absolutely key. And that's where I find where a lot of business owners get frustrated because they don't know where the problems are at and where to look. And these numbers, these gems that are in your financial statement sometimes tells you where you need to focus. So this is uh, Tony Malik, your host of Leaky Bucket of Profits. I hope you found this helpful. It's I know this episode has been quite lengthy. You might want to listen to it in bits and pieces, but this is really important stuff. And I find that businesses that do struggle do not know these numbers. And at the same time, the owners are very frustrated why they're not making the money they should be making. So get a hold of these numbers. And you can always give me a quick email at tony at empoweredbusiness.ca. And I'm always willing to uh, give you a bit of a hand with it to get you started. Okay, so it's Tony Malik. Have a great day.